Neil Brown just has that it factor, I believe. He's bought into the program. Everybody in the Big 12 is going to know his name, and all the quarterbacks are going to feel his pain. That underdog mentality has always been big for West Virginia. We're just heartbroken that we were not good at our jobs. He is the modern-day Don Nealon. Trust the climb. And now it's time for the Country Roads Webcast. Welcome into another edition of the Country Roads Webcast. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Cruz, joined by my co-host, Steven. What's up, everybody? And our other co-host, Bradley. What's up, everybody? So uh, here we are. Off-season already begun, gentlemen. You know, we'll serve this as our season wrap-up show. You know, we'll talk about some uh, end-of-the-season stuff, the bowl game, and our, you know, do a little update on our season predictions we did uh, towards the end of the show. But might as well get the elephant in the room out of the way now. This will also serve as our WVU hires Graham Harrell episode. Uh, WVU does go and get a new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, something I think a lot of people were clamoring for but didn't necessarily think would happen. Um, I don't know about you guys, but it really surprised me because usually in these type of situations, you can see or uh, hear rumors about you know West Virginia looking for an offensive coordinator. I know I follow uh, football scoop a lot, and they update that stuff. And uh, when it's rumored, but this never really had like a rumored stage or anything. Kind of came out of nowhere, and just the hire was boom announced by the university. Like that's how it, how the news came out. So I uh, just kind of where you, where were you guys? Did it surprise you? And what are your thoughts? Initial thoughts on the hire of uh, Graham Harrell? What are you thinking, Bradley? Yeah, so I was pretty unsure what to think about it first because I didn't know much about Graham Harrell. It definitely uh, is not somebody I – I hadn't really looked into our offensive coordinator position a lot. I just kind of like trusted them to take care of it, and boy, did they take care of it. Um, I was really excited to see how excited the fan base got, so that got me excited in turn. Like, uh, you guys are freaking out, and everybody else I talked to about WU Sports is freaking out. So um, I started looking into him, and I love him. I think he's going to be a good fit for our offense, and uh, I think that we're finally going to start taking the cap off of that uh, um whatever's been holding down our offense, which, you know, honestly might have been Neil Brown. I think it takes a lot for him to step up and admit that, you know, he uh, he was probably dragging us down offensively and to really just take his hands out of it. And oh, yeah. um, I think it's only going to pay off for him. Yeah, I yeah, absolutely, absolutely agree. Yeah. I think the Neil Brown. What about you, Steven? Um, you know, you, he mentioned that in his statement to where he said that he takes full responsibility of the offense and, you know, not being as productive as they should have been this season. And I think that takes a leader to admit something like that and to get a coach like Graham Harrell is a home run, in my opinion, because, you know, I I remember watching Graham Harrell play, you know, back during, you know, the Pat White era, you know, and and him and Michael Crabtree would just light up scoreboards. I remember one game specifically where I think they were playing Texas and Crabtree catches the ball on the sideline, somehow stays in bounds for the final five to ten yards. And yeah. Uh, yep, the, and that's my main memory from him. I but remember that. you know Yeah, he was a that's you I know, really that too. great quarterback for that time. And I think the style of coaching that he brings to the table is a lot like that. And that's what makes me most excited is because he's you know, he played and coached under Mike Leach and any anybody that's followed college mm-hmm. football knows who Mike Leach is and how productive his offenses have been. Um, so he's coached under him. His off Graham Harrell's offensives have been, if I'm not mistaken, pretty much top 25 almost every single year and almost immediately better than what they were from the previous season when he's been brought in. And that's been the case at Washington State, North Texas, um, and now USC. And, and hopefully, and I do feel confident with the receivers that we, you know, I know we lost a few receivers into the transfer portal, which I predicted, but I do believe that the receivers that we still have um, and possibly might get now that Graham Harrell is is a coach at WVU, um, I, the sky's the limit for this offense next year, boys. And Absolutely. What makes me really excited, and I don't want to sound like a broken record saying this, but if our defense can be as productive as they have been for the past couple of seasons, you know, with all the talent we have coming back on that side of the ball and our offense can make the turnaround and be good, you know, it's hard to tell what West Virginia can be um, um, next year. And I still think at this point, West Virginia is probably around a seven to eight win football team. But I'm telling you right now, it's probably going to look a lot more. It's going to be a lot more exciting brand of football to watch, I believe, than what we have been seeing, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. I think that, um, I think you both mentioned it a little bit, but I think it speaks a lot of Neil Brown, you know, uh, whether you've been on the train or you're kind of iffy, you know, and a lot of people haven't been, but I think even those people were impressed by this because um, it was Neil Brown recognizing, you know, saying, you know, I step back and look at things. I realize the offense is what, you know, has kept us from winning some of these games and that uh, me being as a play caller is maybe not working out. So I'm going to step back, be a CEO of the program and uh, let uh, Graham Harrell have this offense, you know, call these plays. He's not going to be involved. Uh, Jared Parker, you know, lightly involved now with the co-offensive coordinator, you know, title maybe in name only, uh, continues to be receivers coach. Uh, Chad Scott gets the title of run game coordinator and, and stays running backs coach. And the one guy looks like it's left out is Sean Reagan, who was the quarterback's coach, unless, you know, he would go to coach tight ends with that vacancy open as well with Travis Trickett leaving to be the offensive coordinator at uh, South Florida. But I don't think that's likely. So West Virginia probably still going to hire a tight end coach. So you're still going to see someone else added to this offensive staff that, I think is getting a revamp and, and really needed a revamp. And I think you made a heck of a hire with Graham Harrell. You know, as Steven said, successful everywhere he's been, top 10 offenses, top 25 offenses, and uh, really knows how to put points on the board, which is what West Virginia needs to do because that's what they've been lacking. And I think uh, Neil Brown seeing that and being humble enough to say, hey, what I'm doing is not working. Let me bring in someone else, run their offense, let them call these plays and see if we can win uh, some more games. I think that's big. Uh, but I guess that's pretty much it as far as the uh, – the addition of Graham Harrell, you guys want to talk about anything about Travis Trickett leaving or who you guys think made West Virginia mad as tight end coach or you guys think Sean Reagan's out? Anything else you guys I want to add to, here? I need to be more intelligent on the situation. I, I'm I'm very upset that we're losing Travis Trickett. I'm, I'm very upset about that. Um, but I haven't. Yeah, I yeah. am. But I've heard that Graham Harrell does have some decent decent. Uh, pull around this area that he does has recruited this part of, part of the country a little bit so that makes me feel a little bit better but we definitely need to replace our recruiting prowess that we lost on yes. the Travis Trickett. we need to get another southern florida and guy what's down there that, what's you know, still bothersome for me is we not only lost travis trickett this year but we lose jamal Adai last year and in my opinion he's he's one of the best recruiters that west virginia's had in a very long time and i think that was proven this year uh, because, you know, as mad as I am that we lost him, I do yeah. want to give a shout-out to Jamal Adai for winning the national championship. That That is well-deserved props right there. Yep. Yeah. Georgia. Yep. That's it. Yes, sir. It's Can't be nothing definitely. but, but happy for the guy. Definitely. I think I agree with you oh, guys. Yeah. I was, Tyke ball in the I, championship game. Oh, yeah, for Tyke sure. Tyke you know, too. Georgia Tyke pulls Smith it off. Yep, you love you love to see it. You know, Mountaineers getting rings because you know it's once a Mountaineer, always a Mountaineer. I think that, um, like you guys said, losing Trick it really hurts because uh, that's probably back to back years where you lose your best recruiter, losing a die last year, and then Trick it after this year. But um, can't be too mad at Trick it for wanting to go be an offensive coordinator. And you know, I was upset at the time hearing it when I thought that you know Neil Brown wasn't going to make any changes on our offense and we were going to roll as this, just replacing Trick it. And then I see that you know us hire Graham Harrell and something I didn't see uh, coming at all and really exciting hire and uh, kind of lessened the blow for me of losing Trickett. But I also think you still need to uh, replace his recruiting, like you guys said. Uh, Harold's, you know, a good recruiter, but um, I think whoever you hire to be tight ends coach should also be a really good recruiter, particularly maybe in that Florida area where Trickett had done such a good job because now you're going to be – One thing I do want to point out that, for, uh, South Florida you know, area. for all of us on this show – for the past couple of seasons, I know for a fact that we have been preaching about West Virginia not being able to pay our pay our assistant coaches enough to you know to keep them around. And I just want to give props to Shane Lyons and Gordon Gee and everybody that made it possible for Graham Hill to come here because giving him eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars is a Absolutely. great, great way to start. And I think if you look across the board at places like Alabama, Clips, and Georgia, you know, the teams that are consistently in the playoff and, and in the national title contention, I guarantee you, if you look on average, they pay their coaches anywhere from seven hundred to $900,000 a year. And, you know, I understand that they probably make a little bit more money, but West Virginia yep. is not hurting for money that much to where they can't pay their assistant coaches. And I think that they just proved that with the hire of Graham Harrell and I, that that's one thing that I'm most excited about moving forward is because, I, you know, we have been saying this for a long time, that that's what you have to do to be able to retain these kind of caliber coaches on your on your coaching staff. And Yeah. 
and on that note, you know, I feel like that this is the first time that the WVU is really taking a shot at it. They're like, okay, like this is what we have to do to be one of those big boy programs. Mm-hmm. We've gotten our, you know, facilities updated. We're at the top of the line right now. So if we want to, you know, make the best use of that equipment, then we really need to finally sw- sling our wallets a little bit, you know? And it's not that I think the WVU is loaded with money. I think that we are okay on money, but I think that it's also a calculated risk. You know, they've got to really, you know, we're probably only going to get one shot at this. I mean, if this, to me, it feels like it's more of a buy-in on Neil Brown and what they believe he can do and what our football program can do. And so they're really taking a shot out there and being like, I think that we have the right head coach. We need to get the right pieces around him. But this might be the only shot that we get at this. If this fails, then WVU might might have a couple of real rough years following this. So I think it's really just got to – and I think that I, and I think that also buys – because uh, I know Jordan brought up, you know, just what was going on. I think that it also buys uh, Neil Brown some more time. I think oh, it gives him a little bit more of a safety net that he did make yep. a change and like admit to, you know, struggling. It might it might buy him some more time. It I truly believe that if West Virginia well, goes another six with, with another six win days. season this year, that Neil Brown will probably not be the head coach of WVU anymore. It's not saying I want that to happen. I just. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. I think I think he that knows really this is his make or break year. Four, year four isn't supposed to be a build year. It's supposed to be, yeah. if, you know, you're there yeah. year. I know, but it's like one of those things you also got to hit with understanding that his four years have not have been anything but normal. I mean, you look at you got your COVID year, and then you got well, he comes in on a short year, then he has a COVID year, and then the next year they have NIL deals and transfer portal is absolutely wreaking havoc and changing. I mean, you can't look at the transfer portal right now and not realize that it's changing college football right now. Like it's absolutely changing how teams work and how recruiting works. Like what Neil Brown was talking about weeks ago, you're not going to be able to have five scholarship quarterbacks, 10 scholarship running backs, 15 offensive linemen. It's just not going to happen anymore. Kids want to go to places they want to go play. And so, you know, the, the years that he's had to deal with change every single year, it's not like he's had the easiest four years, like a normal four years of any kind of coaching that he's had up to those years. These have been something he's not even used to. It's a brand new world for him. And so you look at that and you look at the fact that we're still hanging around in there and he's still doing good and he's still just changing with the times. He's not getting sunk under the water. We're getting good transfers in, you know, we're recruiting really hard and we're making big plays other places. You know, it's kind of hard to still not be impressed of where we're at. And thank God that we didn't, you know, tank to the bottom in those tumultuous years under a different head coach. So, yeah, absolutely, I, I agree. I think that um, in both in both camps, it's if Neil has a bad year, I could definitely see you know the them wanting to make a change. And I think that Neil knew that as what, and not only knowing that next year is a big year, but also I think he heard the cries from the fan base and stuff. And then he sat back and you know took a step back and looked. You know, hey, you know they're right. This offense isn't getting it done. And he said, I need to do something not only to help my job and to help, you know, this program get better, but also to show these fans that, I, you know, I, I'm invested in making West Virginia great because, uh, to me, him taking a step back shows that his ego is not bigger than, you know, West Virginia football, that he wants the program uh, to continue to grow uh, more so than, you know, he wants to show, hey, I'm good enough to do this, you know, and, and just keep, uh, you know, doing the same thing, you know, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing and expecting uh, different results. And I think that's that's big of him. And I think that with that, you've seen the fan base kind of come around a little bit and be like, okay, I'm, you know, maybe not saying trust the climb again yet. You know, I've, I've never really stopped saying it. I know uh, you guys probably haven't either, but a lot of people, you know, were really off that. And some people are like, you know, I, I may be still trusting the climb. You know, let me see what happens this season. But with this offensive splash higher, and, you know, the other things they're doing to rework the offense, I think that um, yeah, Neil's really I, bought himself some I think some that good this will be my make-or-break year for if I'm, you know, still on the Neil Brown train or not. But I, I honestly, at this point in time, I'm fully confident that this will be a successful season. And, you know, that's largely largely due to the fact that we've got Graham Harrell. But yeah, I, I don't think that the program is necessarily in a bad spot. I think that if you look at the way the last season went, we went two and four in our first six games. And this is, you know, this is what a direct quote from Shane Lyons. He went, you know, we went two and four in the first six games and then four and two in the second uh, six games of the season, not counting the bowl game. And I think that that, you know, can can be viewed as a positive because, you know, the second half of the season, people started 
to announce that they were transferring out, you know, entering the transfer portal. You know, we started losing, you know, recruit com, recruiting commitments that we had gotten that we were really excited about, you know, pretty good ones too. And, you know, that's when a lot of things should have fallen apart and West Virginia should be getting blown out on a consistent basis. But they did show some fight. And I don't know. I think our defense held a, held a large majority of the season together and our offense just didn't help them out. And if we get a home run like Graham Harrell in here to, to give our offense a boost and give it what West Virginia fans are used to seeing our offensive play, you know, offense play like I, that can only get me excited because I, I just remember being good on offense and we didn't have anything to do anything on defense. And then as soon as we get, you know, a good defense and it reverses West Virginia, other than, other than the, the years of Pat White and all those guys, I don't remember us having a good offense and defense at the same time. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, it's also, you got to think about it the past three or four years, we've had probably an eight to 10 win defense really realistically like our team could have had eight to ten wins just play off of our defensive play if we would have had any kind of semblance of offense and that would make me feel more comfortable going into the season if literally our whole offense next year is just going to be one big question mark other than our offensive line and i think that that's you know somewhat comforting somewhat not comforting because it was our weakest spot last year but our whole entire offense is just going to be a giant question mark next year which it is, is kind terrifying of exciting, but at but the same time it's like. it's exciting for me no it is nico it graham Lynjay dixon there's a lot of big factors for me yeah, to get me excited both. that we haven't really seen a lot at all really i will be excited yeah. if we can get if we can get an exciting wide receiver transfer if we can get somebody that i can just like look at and be like okay that wide receiver has got a chance i want somebody tall i know caden prather's a good six three but you know if we could find a tight end that has some hands, yeah. maybe Brian Poland, I think Colorado, his name. I think. Business. Uh, somewhere out, out. Yeah. Hollandy. And yeah, but I think he's definitely more of a blocking tight end. So I definitely think that we yeah. need some height in there somewhere. We've got to hit wide receiver at some point in time in the transfer portal. No, I agree hundred percent. I think that they, they're definitely going to add at least one wide receiver. I, you know, they may even add a couple, but uh, it's a great segue into the next topic. I did want to talk about, uh, you know, transfers that have come out, transfers that have come in. You know, we're talking about the revamping the offense, and um, it's going to look new, uh, different, you know, with the scheme and stuff of Graham Harrell and him calling the plays will look different. But also it's going to be different personnel in there pretty much. Um, pretty much all your skill positions for the main part are going to be different as, you know, you people that transferred out, you lose Jarrett Daigie, uh, Sean Ryan, Winston Wright, Isaiah Esdale, um, Letty Brown to graduation. And then, you know, uh, T.J. Banks at tight end and uh, Parker Moore along the offensive line. And then a couple defensive transfers and Jackie Matthews and Vandarius Cowan. Uh, most of those, a couple of those not surprises, you know, Jackie Matthews and Sean Ryan walked on senior day. So I think a lot of people uh, saw those coming. Vandarius Cowan, I think a lot of people knew was coming. Uh, but the offense, you know, going to look different. And I think a lot of people have kind of been worried, oh, my goodness, our leading receiver, you know, Winston Wright left, our starting quarterback left, you know, stuff like that. But. To me, I think even before hiring Graham Harrell, I was kind of looking at it through a lens of Neil Brown. You know, he came here, he built a good defense, and I think maybe he's looking saying, you know, on offense for three years, we've had pretty much the same players in all these skill positions doing the same things, and it's not working. Our offense has been struggling. And so I think, you know, maybe he didn't say, hey, you need to leave. But, you know, if, if they asked him and, you know, he said, you know, maybe you should, you know, go try and look somewhere else. And I think he wanted to get uh, fresh blood, blood in there, not only in Graham Harrell calling the plays, and uh, things like that, but also uh, maybe get some of these young guys a chance and get some new pieces at the skill position to see if they can't have more success on offense with uh, new faces all around. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on the transfers? Yeah, I definitely think that uh, we, we've definitely lost some crucial pieces, but I definitely think that it's – I think it's time for new blood. I I think that looking back on this year after now the season's over and I've been sitting back looking at it, thinking about it, I definitely think that, you know, Winston Wright was great. But we, he was our best wide receiver, but we lost him. But he really – his task didn't jump out this year, and he never really kind of like lived up to that hype that he had, you know, building up to this year and even the year before that. And 
you know, he's a great football player, and I'm sure Winston Wright's going to go ball out of Florida State. But I'm just ready to see new people in there. And I think that some of the Neil Brown guys that we've seen, like Reese Smith and Caden Prather, have been some of the more exciting players towards the end of the season. I think that they've made more consistent plays at wide receiver. Um, I mean, Reese Smith played a hell of a half a year of football there at the end. And, you know, he was making big plays when he needed to. And so I'm excited to see them step in. I'm really excited to see Bryce Ford Wheaton finally be the, you know, he's been hyped up as the man in the room since he was a sophomore, you know, and now he's not, you know, that young new face that's going to make these big plays. Now he's that old head that's in there and, you know, he's really going to have control of that wide receiver locker room. It's going to be on him to be a leader. And, uh, you know, it's going to be up to him to really push along these young guys and get them ready for, you know, playing on Saturdays. And I'm excited to see him in that role. I think he'll do really well there. Um, I'm really curious to see if Sam Brown actually comes out of the transfer portal. He hasn't announced he's going anywhere yet. Um, cause I think he was kind of tired of sitting behind people, but now everybody else ahead of him is kind of gone. So, um, unless they really just sever that tie between him and Neil Brown, cause I know Neil Brown had talked about a few guys just up and leaving without really, you know, talking to him about it or discussing about it or, you know, uh, reaching out about it. And I think that Sam Brown may have been one of those guys that was a little hot headed and, you know, kind of put his foot out the door earliest, you know, maybe, Maybe that is a tie that's gone, but um, yeah. And yeah, that's, that's how I feel about the transfers. Yeah, he still could come back. I mean, you know, we saw uh, Mike O'Laughlin went into the transfer portal. Uh, what was it? You know, right after uh, Dana left, I believe it was, and then ended up coming back. And he's still been, you know, a heck of a player and been a key part of the team. So you never know. He, he definitely could still come back. And I think the opportunity definitely is there because West Virginia – uh, need some receivers, but uh, what about you, Stephen? Anything you want to add as far as the people that have transferred uh, yeah, out? Yeah, I, I think uh, I have, kind of have to agree. I think that I'm ready to see some new faces. You know, as talented as you know Winston Wright and and uh, you know Isaiah Esdale and a lot of these guys on this list were. Um, you know, I think a lot of the fan base is lying if they're saying that they're not, they're not excited that Jared Deggie just left. Um, and Vandarius Cowan, as high as I was up on him, um, you know, I've seen a lot of classless. Thanks. Uh, plays out of Vandarius. I don't mean to disrespect anybody, you know, now that they're leaving, but, you know, I think it's probably, yeah, yeah. And, and not so, and not so accidental looking targeting plays either. They were pretty blatant in my, in my view of things. So maybe that's positive to get somebody like that out of, of out of the program. Um, he might, he might, Um, I think he'll thrive at Maryland. Yeah, I, I'm excited for these newer guys. I think that the talent we've seen Neil Brown bring or Neil Brown bring in is, you know, maybe not better, but they looked like they had the potential to be a lot better than the talent that was already on the field. You know, you mentioned Caden Prather. You know, I like the product that that Winston, the product of football that Winston Wright brought to the game. Um, but I, you know, toward, there were times in the season where he just didn't. It, it just wasn't there in certain games. He couldn't, you know, there was a lot of drop passes and you no, know, that's largely due to probably Jared Deggy, but this is the reason that I called, you know, I predicted there would be four, at least four receivers in the transfer portal because there's a lot of guys that, you know, feel like they should be in position to make catches. And there was a lot of guys that were wide open on plays that were completely missed. And, you know, the, the world of a wide receiver today is if you're standing there wide open and you're not getting looks and the offense is especially not being successful while you're not, you know, getting thrown the ball while you're wide open, you know, you're not going to stand there and just wait out those four years while you could go elsewhere and have a better quarterback and, you know, get you a better look at going professional or whatever you want to do. And so I don't know. I think the transfer portal this year for West Virginia is a huge positive, especially with the transfers that you're already seeing West Virginia get out of the portal. And it's still a little bit early, so I think West Virginia's got potential to get maybe one or two receivers from the from the portal and a tight end. Um, hopefully, because I think even with Michael Laughlin and this Brian Pollenday guy. I still think we need some depth at that position. That's one position I think West Virginia's always lacked. Yeah. We need somebody with some hands. I mean, even though Mike Laughlin has some catches there towards the end of the season. 
I think Corbin Page. I think Corbin Page, you know, I know he's a true freshman and it's hard for true freshmen to factor in, but physically he's ready. He's got the size, you know, top player in the state of West Virginia. I think that he might, you know, if they don't end up adding a third yeah. tight end, I think he he could factor in as your third tight end because, like we said, uh, Paul and D, who we added, is uh, more of a blocker. And I think Corbin Page is a bit of both, kind of like Mike O. So if we don't add anyone else, I do like the upside of Corbin Page. That being said, um, I did want to comment on, you know, what, you know, Stephen was talking about when he was talking about certain players, you know, doing certain things or, or what what have you transfer-wise. And, you know, it's it's because not necessarily every transfer that leaves is, is a bad thing because I know you've heard Shane Lyons mention it and Neil Brown mention it. You know, they're not going to say which players, and it may not be any of these players that we just named. I'm not saying that necessarily, but there's some players that, you know, they've turned them energy vampires. They suck the energy out of the locker room. They bring down the other guys. And, you know, things like that. And you, if you can get rid of those, it get, makes your team better, you know, team chemistry better, everything flow better. You need to have everyone in that room having, you know, full buy-in and, you know, trust in the climb if you want to make that climb. And so I think, you know, they they even have a sign above the locker room, they said, that says believe or leave. And so I think, you know, if guys aren't bought in, they're not afraid to say, you know, all right, well, you know, find you somewhere else and we're going to get somebody here that does believe and, you know, do this, do this thing and build this thing up. And so – uh that's just kind of I've been uh, the glass half full on those transfers because I think you know sometimes it's addition by uh, addition by subtraction. Yeah, I definitely think transfers are a bit of positive for us. I, I think that it gives Neil Brown like this like little specific chance to like nitpick and like pick out some guys that he really appreciates because uh, it, it's honestly like free agency, so we can honestly look at those guys that have like varying years of eligibility left that have a chance to you know come in and i think neil brown had he had said a couple weeks ago i think it was i brought it up at one point in time recently his interview where he was talking about how he thinks that some of his first year recruiting class that he had done in 2019 he said he thinks that they were misses that he just gotten some people that have really fit the brand of football that wvu has been trying to build and that really necessarily syncs up with wvu football and I think that this is kind of what we're seeing play out as Neil Brown just saying the, these weren't necessarily the program guy kind of program guys that we needed. Not necessarily that they don't fit. <clears throat> They're bad guys, but don't fit the brand that we're pri- trying to build and the kind of energy and buy-in that we need. And so I think that's what we're starting to see some of that fallout where Neil Brown was talking about. He just had some complete misses on his first year recruiting class. And now he's got a better understanding of where we're at, and where we want to be and the kind of people that we need. So I think the transfer portal allows them to find those guys that are looking for that kind of home that fit with us. And then he can also get them at varying years to where he can fill the needs that we need with older guys and, uh, you know, give us a year or two to buffer before we go recruiting them out of high school. Yeah, absolutely. I think so too. I think the transfer portal you know, a lot of people want to look at it from one side and, you know, they're either against it or for it. And I think there's a lot of negatives and positives involved with it. And it's a great segue into talking about the transfers that West Virginia has brought in uh, so far in this offseason. You know, some of them we've talked about previously during the signing day recap, but um, Lynn J. Dixon, the running back from Clemson, I think he's a guy that's going to, you know, be a factor right away. Uh, him and Tony Mathis probably looking at you, you know, your top guys there at running back. Um, he's a little bit more speedy, a little bit more twitchy, can break a long run. So you can have him as the speed guy and uh, Tony Mathis as the power guy. I think that's a great pickup. And then you got Zakai Lawton from uh, Cincinnati, a West Virginia guy that can provide you some depth on the defensive line. Uh, tight end Brian Pollandy, who we talked about from Colorado State, I believe he's 6'5", 250 or something like that. Great blocking tight end, specifically a blocker. And then you got a corner in uh, Marcus Floyd uh, from Murray State. He was an FCS All-American at corner, uh, which, you know, if you want a comparison for that, Charles Woods was an FCS All-American uh, before he came to West Virginia last season, and we saw him have a great season, you know, tied for the lead in interceptions on the team. So Marcus Floyd's definitely a great pickup for West Virginia to provide depth there at corner. And then, you know, Neil Brown has said they're going to add definitely a few more from the portal. They have like about eight scholarships remaining, I believe. Uh, they definitely said specifically he had mentioned they want to add a kickoff specialist, which I think is great because I think uh, not being able to kick the ball out of the end zone and kicking out of bounds really hurt our special teams numbers this year and our field position uh, battles. We lost a lot of those because of that. Uh, they want to add a veteran in the secondary. I'm guessing probably at safety where we lost so much there. Probably uh, somebody on the offensive line and defensive line. And then, as we said, at least at least one wide receiver, if not two. And he didn't rule out add another quarterback. But um, I think if you don't see that soon, you won't see that till after the spring. Uh, so that being said, what are your guys' thoughts on 
some of these guys that have transferred in or what you think West Virginia may add in the transfer uh, portal? You know, I, uh, I, I like a lot of what, what I've seen out of this out of the transfer portal. You know, I mentioned Lynn J. Dixon. I think that Tony Mathis is a stud of a running back, but it only helps if you can add depth to that position. And I think that that's what that does. Um, you know, I think that we're going to have to add probably an offensive lineman or two if we're going to be able to stay competitive up front because I think West Virginia didn't prove to me that they could hold their own, you know, up front last year. And you get a lot of talent back from what you had last year. Uh, I think it would have helped to get Parker Moore back. But I think that that would be something that West Virginia could really benefit from if they could get that out of the transfer portal. I think defensively, you know, you get def- you get a defensive lineman and Zaquay Lawton, but you know, I don't think we really needed somebody on that side of the bar, or you know, on the defensive line more than we need somebody on the offensive line. I think we're going to need to get somebody up front to be able to stay competitive up there. I guess. No, absolutely. You gotta you gotta build from the trenches, and that's something Neil Brown's talked about a lot um, throughout. Is if you look at the top teams in the conference, um, the one thing they have in, in common is great uh, defensive lines, great offensive lines, and I think they've done a good job of doing that. And I think you know, two of big Neil's biggest recruiting wins, I think this off season have been recruiting Josh Chandler Samito to return, who had said he definitely wasn't coming back uh, to come back at linebacker, and then of course Dante Steele's coming back for one more year as well, and you know that defense brings back pretty much everyone except for your safeties now. And so that's that's big, I think, for, for the defense. And uh, like as we said, if the offense can improve, we're going to have a pretty good team. But um, anything you guys want to talk about as far as uh, those two guys returning or uh, players West Virginia's brought in before we talk a little bit about uh, our season prediction results and a little bit about the uh, I want to ask you guys – season if you guys want. Go ahead, Bradley. Uh, I got a big um, question yeah, for you guys. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> Go ahead, Tim. Okay, well then let me okay. let, let me just say my piece. Of it. Okay, so I I would I think Neil Brown would be dumb if he didn't get in touch with Dreshawn Miller. I think that just giving the guy a chance and being like, hey, if you want to come back to WVU, he played really good ball here. He had a year to go down this, you know, learn some stuff at Auburn. You know, he didn't break the two deep, but the guy is still really talented at DB, and I think that bringing him back would show a lot and speak a lot on our behalf of you know, just because you leave doesn't mean you know once a Mountaineer, always a Mountaineer kind of mentality. And I think that that's kind of a position that we need somebody in right now, and he could come in and even find himself in a leadership position. I know it sounds kind of weird to have a guy that left, you know, come back into a leadership position, but that's kind of a need that we we would need. So I would think we'd be done to not get in talk with him. And then I think that we're going to go after – I think we need somebody to back up Brandon Yates over there. I think we, that, that's offensive lineman that we should be looking for is uh, another left tackle to kind of bulk up that depth that we need over there. All right. Well, I got a question for you guys. With the big reveal last night at the basketball game, who's our starting quarterback next year? Who you got? Who you got? Here we go. I want to know. Listen, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to speak badly about somebody that we may add or anything like that, but. Uh, it's just hard for me to get excited about West Virginia adding a quarterback from Shepard. I know he was, you know, Division Two Player of the Year, or whatever. But uh, you know, when there's the options that are out there that are out there, I don't know if you're bringing him in just for depth. The only the only way that I, the way that I see that they're looking at him is just because purely experience in college, where you have three guys that have never started a college football game before. I think they've thrown maybe a combined thirty passes with both those coming between Green and Crowder. Obviously, with Nico going to be a true freshman. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, adding, you know, Tyson Badgett, who we're talking about, in case you don't know, but I'm sure uh, most people do, was the quarterback of Martinsburg back in high school, went to uh, Shepard, uh, Division II National Player of the Year, year this past season. Uh, but the one thing that's kind of made me change my tune on that a little bit is I found out that uh, about Bailey Zappi, you know, the quarterback this season from Western Kentucky that broke the NCAA record for passing yards in a season and the NCAA record for passing touchdowns in a season, broke the records that, you know, Joe Burrow set just a couple years back, uh, came from a, as a Division two transfer from uh, Houston Baptist. Western Kentucky went and found him, got him from Houston Baptist, came there this year, 
broke the NCAA records, you know. So I'm not saying that Tyson Badgen's going to do that, obviously. I don't even know if he'd win the job. Um, in my opinion, I don't think he would. That's just me. But um, that does make me a little bit, you know, less sad that it's not another quarterback that was uh, rumored that was visiting at the WV basketball game uh, last night. But if I had to pick right now uh, who starts next season, if if we don't bring in a transfer or if Badgen even comes in, I'm going to probably say Nico. Um, I think he's just – he's got the – thing that you need to start as a true freshman, you know, something rare that you don't see. He'd be the first, you know, true freshman to start at quarterback at West Virginia since 1974, I believe. But that just shows you the kind of player that he is. But, you know, um, also uh, it just depends because I think uh, bringing in Graham Harrell gives it a different look. I think if it was Neil, you might have to say it would be Goose or Badgen if he comes in. But I think Graham's going to be the guy to decide now. And you saw him last season be able to develop a true freshman in Jackson Dart, who is now in the transfer portal. And uh, when he had to take over last season for USU, and he had a great uh, year with him. So I think you could definitely see Nico as the starting quarterback. Uh, right now, if you're making me pick, that's who I'm going with. Go ahead, Bradley. Uh, what about you guys? You. Okay, so I mm-hmm. first Tyson Badger. About, uh, Badger, right? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep forgetting it. Um, I would give him a preferred – I've been open and honest about this. I'd give him a preferred walk-on spot. I think that that would be really nice to have just some extra depth in our quarterback room sitting there. I don't know if that's something that kid would take, but that's what that's what I would give him. I, I don't think with the three scholarship quarterbacks that we have that if we give – I just don't see it happening. I mean, he could be our own little Georgia – bulldog story in it you know five years when he's our second string quarterback and you know he gets a chance to go in before start a quarterback hurt um i just don't see that happening um so i'll move over to a little bit more spicier topics uh, also yeah i saw got some uh, i was talking to some guy on twitter and he was talking about how um he doesn't understand why people are uh, i'll go ahead and tell you i think our starter next year is nico markiel i am mm-hmm. so bought in on that guy i think he is WVU program through and through, which really excites me about him, but I'll get back to him in a second. Um, somebody had said that they didn't know why people were so hype on Nico Markiel uh, when he hasn't played a game of college football in his life yet, but Stephen uh, Bagnett, um, you know, he's played a year of college ball and we've seen what he can do. They're like, you know, I don't know why you guys wouldn't want that. And I was like, Nico Markiel has played against more Division One athletes in his one game against Bishop Gorman. Who's Stephen Bagnett? Stephen Bagnett has played Division One players in his whole entire college career. Tyson I, Badger. There's no comparison. <laughs> is that <laughs> his first name about Stephen? <laughs> See, Badger. I, oh, I didn't even. Oh, I didn't even. I, didn't do, I, I thought like, he was saying something was like, about you, Stephen. I thought, no, I thought I just he knew he said he didn't know his name. Is Anyway, yeah, I didn't. I don't get that. On to Jackson Dart. I like Jackson mm-hmm. Dart, and I'll take him in a heartbeat if he wants to come to WVU. Oh, absolutely. He's He'd be the highest-rated quarterback we've ever gotten. But if he comes to WVU, I still will be fully bought in and behind Nico Marchio 100% and cheering for him to get the starting job. Um, and I think that if he won it over someone like Jackson Dart, it speaks more to how great of a player Nico Marchio is and how he is probably the biggest gem in the class of 2022. And I know I'm lopping a lot on a kid as a freshman, but I don't care if he comes out and doesn't give me his best game. It's a kid that I want to buy into. And I feel like that's one of those guys that you get like 10 times. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think that, uh, you know, the main reason I asked that question is because earlier this year, I I predicted that as well, that Nico was going to be the starting quarterback for West Virginia. And both of you fools told me that I was just – both of you fools told me that I was crazy for saying that. But um, I think that – I don't think I told you you were crazy. At least I didn't say that, you know, Jared Daigie was coming back and was going to start. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, Cruz kind of got high up on him that one week. That was a, that's a bad week. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I don't I don't know. I don't know who said that. That's crazy. Yeah. Things look bad. Man, we must have been at a real low point. But I think that Nico has <laughs> something that, um, you know, we haven't – I don't I don't really think ever seen out of a recruit. I don't – ever remember West Virginia fans or college football fans in general following a, a recruit this closely their senior season of high school football you know especially from a player across the country you know we've seen it I, I did it with Sean Martin when he went to, to Bluefield and I'm sure that there's been people that 
follow someone that lives close to them that might have committed the WVU. But just to follow a general recruit this closely, I mean, I I don't remember the last time that such a widespread amount of people in the fan base followed a recruit that closely. And so that tells me that you know, the one thing that I worried about with Nico this whole season was, you know, he's going to do so well that he's going to commit somewhere else. You know, that someone else is going to notice how well this kid's playing. He's on ESPN every other week. And all you see from him is WVU. I can't wait. You know what I mean? I can't wait to get to WVU. I'm so excited about it. I'm so bought in. He's so loyal to the program already. And he's already played against more Division One talent than a lot of people that play that position. I, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to put into words just how ready I think Nico already is to play this position. I mean, yeah, going from Hamilton High School in Arizona is going to be a little bit different than playing in the Big 12 Conference. But when you're playing against the likes of Bishop Gorman, who you know has Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia recruits and Oklahoma recruits and LSU recruits on a yearly basis, I think you're going to be okay with with starting someone like that as a true freshman because I think they've already been tested and they know what they're getting themselves into. It's not the same thing as starting someone who's played against regular high school talent. And I don't mean to discredit you know anyone, but facts are facts. You know, people who play against better talent are going to be better football players if they're tested and play that well against those yeah. better football players. That's why Alabama gets those kind of recruits every year because those recruits have been tested and they've played against those kind of tough, that tough competition. That's why when they get into a position where they play against tough competition, they've already been tested and they're not, this isn't a new world for them. And I think that's a lot of what you get out of, especially people that get recruited out, you know, to West Virginia is those guys are used to being the man on their football team. Maybe them and maybe one or two other guys on the football team are as talented as them. Whereas, you know, these other big-time recruits are used to being, you know, on a whole football team with people as talented as them and then facing that every week. And so that, that to me, is what makes me so excited about Nico is not only is he real-deal talent, he's also bought into the program. And we, you know, quite possibly, hopefully, will get him for all four years, which is a very rare thing today in college football, like we've we've all been saying. I think a good way to think about it is the fact that like you could put anybody in, you know, into division one, you could put anybody into his spot right. and they're going to make mistakes, but you can't put everybody into his spot and they're going to make plays. That's like the one thing looking at Nico is like, I know when he comes in, he's going to make plays. Is he going to make mistakes? Yeah, of course. Everybody is. Nobody's imperfect, but he's a guy that you look at and you know, he's going to come in. And he's right. going the only to player I can, I can remember I sitting and watching a football true. game and we could be down in that game. And I would think, well, what's he going to do? There's two people that I remember watching games and thinking, well, what? you know something's going to happen. You know they're going to make a play. You're just curious to see how that play is going to be made. And I thought I thought that with Pat White, and I thought that with Will Greer, and both of them. It was just exciting to watch how it would unfold. You knew it would always unfold, but you just you never knew how. Mm-hmm. Well, Pat Whitey did it with his feet. With Will Greer, he did it with his arm. And I think Nico's going to be a little bit of touch of both. And that's what makes me really excited about him, too. Yeah, well said. I think that he's going to – he's got the highest ceiling of probably anyone on the offense and anyone West Virginia's brought in in quite some time. And as Stephen said, the fan favorite already before he even stepped on – on campus, and I think he has good leadership qualities. And, you know, there's it's rare for a true freshman to do it at quarterback and start, but I think he has the capability to and the intangibles to be able to do it. He's got it factor about him. And um, I think that if he does, you know, maybe struggles, you know, early a little bit, but he's going to, you know, pick it up. And if he comes out in that first game 
on the road as a, as a starter and beats Pitt, you know, in the backyard brawl, um, that'll be the thing of legend, you know, a true freshman starting on the road and winning a rivalry game. And so uh, his legend will just begin right away if he does it. But I'm really excited to see it, you know, moving forward. That being said, you know, we've talked a little bit about the future, about the offseason moves West Virginia's made, the players they brought in, the uh, splash uh, home run coaching hire of Graham Harrell, which we're really excited about and excited about. Uh, this team moving forward with, uh, you know, Chandler Smito and Dante Stills coming back on defense and returning a great defense and um, the capability of having a good offense. You know, I equate it to, you know, what Baylor did. You know, you look at Baylor two years ago, they went uh, two and seven. They bring in uh, Jeff Grimes to be their offensive coordinator from BYU, fix their offense to go with a good defense, and they win the Big 12 Conference this year, win the Big 12 title game, and go win a uh, New Year's Six Bowl as well. So not saying West Virginia is going to do that, but I think West Virginia has the capability to be a really good football team if this hire works as well as the Jeff Grimes hire did uh, for uh, Baylor at offensive coordinator. And I think Graham Harrell has that ability to turn this into an exciting brand of football. Uh, that being said, let's take a look back at this past season. You know, I, we haven't really talked too much uh, since the end of the season other than the uh, signing day recap. So uh, West Virginia finished, you know, 2021, six and seven with a loss in the bowl game to Minnesota, a pretty good Minnesota team. Um, not exactly the results we wanted for the season, you know, Neil Brown's first bowl game loss, but it was a tough matchup for West Virginia, I think. Um, that being said, anything you guys want to add on as far as the 2021 season, how it ended, uh, the bowl game, uh, before we get into, you know, kind of our season predictions, we did our over-under and our numbers predictions and see how those uh, uh, panned I out think, here to close things out. I think the season was a disappointment in my mind. I think that I said that at the beginning of the season, at the season prediction roundtable, uh, that if it's anything less than seven wins, then it would be a disappointment in my mind. And in my mind, it was a disappointment. I think West Virginia could have and should have been better offensively defensively I liked what I seen you know just like I have the last couple seasons but you know now that we've got these hires I'm excited for what the offense holds but the offense needs to be better and they just flat out weren't and they they never showed any progression throughout the season in my mind other than one or two games and then they regressed immediately after so disappointment in my mind yeah Yeah, it was definitely disappointing, especially with the bowl loss. It makes it even worse, probably. Um, I mean, especially coming from a man that said we were going to go 10-2 at the beginning of the season. It was definitely <laughs> a bit of a, a disappointment for me, um, even though I did do the best in the roundtable prediction because I got our losses did. right, I think is what really helped me out there is I got our uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State losses right. Um, and I got our Texas win right, which was, you know, I picked that one out too. Um Maybe even Iowa State. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it was definitely a disappointment. And I think that our offense has been the same since Neil Brown came in. It wasn't just this year. It's just been stagnant, stagnant, stagnant. So, um, you know, I still think that we got great potential going on. But, yeah, 2021 was a bit of a disappointment, especially when I thought we had uh, – you know, I definitely won't be leaving in coach speak as much as summer. I'll definitely be no. making sure I get keep control on my excitement. And, you know, definitely my eyes will be pointing towards the spring game because I think that'll be the first time that we actually get to see if this offense is going to have, you know, flashes of working or not. It's going to be, you know, a lot of timing things. Are our wide receivers get the ball when they're supposed to be type stuff? But, yeah, 2021, bit of a disappointing season. Yeah, I think that's well put uh, by both you guys. Disappointing is a good word. I think we all had high expectations going in because, uh, like Bradley said, the coach speak kind of gave us those high expectations and, you know, played into those. And I think that the team – was not as good as the coaches thought they were going to be either. I think the coaches were kind of in the same boat as us and were surprised by how things went. I think certain players, uh, you know, were maybe good, really good in practice, good scrimmage players, and then on game day kind of got the deer in the headlights thing going, and uh, that hurt us a little bit. And I think that um, the one positive I'm going to look on a positive side is um, – uh, we haven't got blown out a lot under Neil Brown, even when we've been real bad. You know, I know a couple games this season we did, but most games were right in there, and a lot of that is credit to our defense and the good defense they've built, which is why them uh, trying to do the same thing and rebuild the offense is so exciting because you've, they've shown they can build a good one, you know, good unit on one side of the ball, and if they can show to do the same on the other side when they try something different, then you can have a really good football team. But, yeah, I think overall 2021 disappointing is the best way to put it. Uh, 
hard to have a losing season. Uh, definitely got to have a winning season this year if you're Neil Brown or, um, you know, you're on the hot seat, I guess. If not, I think right now he's bought himself some good faith, as I said, with the hire and what he's doing, trying to rebuild the offense. Uh, it's to be seen, though. Uh, still trusting the climb, but 2022, a very big year after you guys, like you guys said, 2021 was disappointing. But looking back at those season, at some numbers, I know we did, you know, our over-unders, kind of our, uh, superlative predictions and, you know, some yardage predictions in our season prediction roundtable as we always do preseason. I uh, wanted to start kind of looking back on those and uh, just having some fun, you know, at uh, how right we were, how close we were, or, you know, how wrong we were, which, you know, I usually am. But anyways, uh, Daggy's passing yards, we did over under of 3,000. Uh, Bradley took the over. I took the over. Steven took the under. Actual result, 3,048 right yards, slightly over. Me and Bradley right. Steven incorrect. <laughs> it was great that we got that because our running game 48 was yards. <laughs> yeah, got that that's true. All we could do that's true. Was, I don't think I was right in any of my predictions. 10-yard passes. <laughs> 300 10-yard passes. Nope. <clears throat> uh, right, uh, correct one. Correct predictions were few and one far between right. for all of us. <laughs> got the leading, leading tackler. Yeah, that being said about the rushing offense, uh, leads me into the next one, Letty Brown's rushing yards, which we all thought, you know, that was going to be the strength of the team. We were all super high on Letty. Uh, Bradley had 1,500 yards. Steven said over 1,500. I think if uh, I remember right, you said he would be did pushing 2,000. rush for over 2,000 yards this year. I went 1,200, actual result, 1,065. For his Yeah, for duh. his career. Oh, that's what you meant. Oh, you think I would I predict him to rush for two thousand yards in a season? That's just that's silly. <laughs> that's yeah. Yeah, come on. Who would do Who that? Right? This stuff? Yeah. And then our our last prediction uh, on offense was uh, for receiving leaders. Uh, we all shared the same one, and that was uh, Winston Wright to lead the team in receptions and Bryce Ford Wheaton to lead in yards. And actually, Winston Wright ended up leading in both with 688 yards and 63 receptions. Uh, but I do want to add Bryce Ford Wheaton and Sam James both had 42 catches apiece with 575 uh, for uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton and 505 yards for Sam James. Um, Bryce Ford Wheaton and Sam James both looking like they're coming back. I know Ford Wheaton was iffy. But it seems like this offensive coordinator hire may have made him want to come back as well, which will be nice. But Winston Wright leaving. But uh, any thoughts on the receiving yardage prediction? That's one that we at least all got uh, partially right with uh, Winston no, Wright leading I'm receptions. Really sad about Winston Wright leaving. Yeah, mostly because he's leaving for Florida State, and he changed our fans to Florida State fans. And his little picture. Yeah, that yeah, was, that uh, was a weird Photoshop edit. Not okay, in my mind. I hate Florida State. I'm not shy about it. If any Florida State yeah, fans are watching, I hate you. Okay? You're not, not welcome a fan. here. Not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Go Gators. <laughs> um, defensive predictions. Uh, leading tackler. We actually all got this one right as well because all three of us said Josh Chandler Samito and Josh Chandler Samito did lead the team and he finished with 110 tackles. Hell of a year for Josh Chandler Samito and I think great news that he's returning uh, next season. You get a senior thank leader you, that you, really kind of turned into the vocal leader of that defense. Thank you Big 12 for shafting him. Thank you Big 12 for not giving him yeah, words. Ridiculous. Thank you Big 12 for pissing him off. Thank you Big 12. Appreciate it. you. They As always, Big 12 down. disappoints yet again. That was absolutely ridiculous. That man didn't get awards. Mm-mm. Yep. You know how that goes, though. Um, hopefully next year they uh, make up for it and recognize him because I feel like he's going to have another great season, and it's good that we got that uh, middle linebacker back. Um, looking at another defensive prediction, sacks leader, um, Bradley went with Akeem Mesidor. Steven went with Akeem Mesidor. <laughs> I foolishly uh, went with Vandarius Cowan, um, whatever. <laughs> How many sacks did he have? Uh, we won't talk about How that. We'll just put that little guy in the corner. We won't talk about that little guy over there. Did he even have one? I don't know. I, did, I didn't even look it up because I don't even know. I don't remember him having one. He may How have many, had How one. many yards did he give to the other team? Uh, upwards of triple digits, probably. Uh, the actual results of the sacks leaders was uh, 
Dante Stills ended up leading the team with seven sacks. Uh, Taj Austin with a surprising breakout year with uh, five sacks for him, and then Akeem Mesidor with four and a half. So uh, defensive line, you know, as they have in late lately since Neil Brown has been the coach and, you know, Jordan Leslie's been leading this defense, they perform great yet again, and you get those guys all back next season. So that's the one uh, big thing that I think is going to – lead to, I think, a really good season next year potentially is uh, the defensive line is yep. going to be a huge strength. Yet Absolutely. Again. Hey, what does it make you feel like, Cruz, that your lockdown corner, Daryl Porter, has the same amount of interceptions this year as, as Darius Stills? Or, I mean, Dante Stills, I mean. Well, uh, well, you know, imagine. here's what I have to say about that is – he he played well, you know. He had early in the season he had his lumps, but I think he, you know, he had the one interception. But if you remember, uh, Jackie Matthews got oh, his interception off a of Daryl Porter tip, where Daryl Porter dove and should intercept the ball, but it went through his arms, and Jackie Matthews had it. So, so technically, he could have been tied oh, for the lead on the team. That's my that's my rebuttal. Could have would have should have. Daryl Porter and Dante Stills both had one interception on it on the game or on the which season. Uh, leads us into the interceptions. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. That's true. I mean, that's the way it is. But, you know, in my mind, it uh, could have been the other way. So, I uh, still lock down corner, and I'm excited for him uh, next season. That being said, our uh, interception uh, leader results, uh, Bradley uh, picked Scotty Young. Me and Steven both picked Alonzo Adai. All incorrect on this one as uh, three players shared the lead. Uh, Josh Chandler, Semito, Charles Woods, and Sean Mahone with two. Uh, as we said, Dante Stills and Daryl Porter both had one, and so did Jackie Matthews. Yeah. I definitely think we need to get That's some interceptions next Keeley, season for sure, looking at those numbers. Um, but, yeah, 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 I agree. And, you know, Jershon, too, if you want to add him. Um, that being said, we'll talk about uh, the our final our final uh, prediction for West Virginia to finish in the standings that we predicted in the season predictions. Um, we all picked uh, – what? Well, not we all did. Me and Bradley both picked third, and Stephen picked fourth. Actually, West Virginia finished better than I thought they did. They finished fifth, so, you know, still in the top half there of the conference. I think they may, it may have been tied for fifth. I don't remember, but fifth in the Big 12. So we weren't as far off as I thought we were. You know, I know we said disappointing season, but uh, when I saw that, I was like, well, actually, you know, at least we were up there a little bit. I think, you know, um, we're closer than some people realize, but further away than we'd like to be with, you know, how disappointing the season was. Yep. It yeah, sucks. Sure. Definitely when it felt like we were in the bottom three of the conference to come out fifth, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. With uh, Especially with the way the year started, I'll take a fifth-place finish. But I think next year you got to finish fourth or higher for sure um, is what you're looking at. Um, ideally, I would like you know third or higher. But we'll see um, what happens with this offense revamp and uh, moving forward. But uh, then we did a conference championship game prediction. Um, Bradley picked Oklahoma over Iowa State. I've also picked Oklahoma over Iowa State. Steven with the same ti- uh, Big 12 title game prediction, but he went, they were gonna be uh, good, he went man. Iowa State beating Oklahoma. And then actually what ended up happening was, yeah, I think Iowa State was maybe the most disappointing team in the conference this year. Um, a lot of people were bought in on those and uh, didn't work out to be a good season. As we saw, Baylor actually win the Big 12 championship, defeating Oklahoma State, two really good teams there in Baylor and Oklahoma State. And the two teams, West Virginia, uh, struggled against the most. We're the two best teams in the conference. Um, then finally, we did a college football playoff prediction. Um, Bradley had Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State. Stephen had Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State. And I had Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma. Uh, playoff teams ended up being Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, and Cincinnati with Georgia beating Bama in the national championship game a few days ago. Um, so that's kind of a – Wrap up on our season predictions. A little update on how terrible we did. Um, you got yeah, anything I you guys want to add as far I as uh, season prediction that results? Right, I predicted Oklahoma not to make it to the playoff this year, and I had Alabama and Georgia in there. So I'm a guru. Um, you did have that. You did do that. You did do that. Well, I, no, I, I don't I'm know if I did that far, but that's why I never know. can make bets. <laughs> <laughs> hey man you're just as good as the next guy that's that's for sure yeah. it's a, i was gonna bet money on the alabama yeah, game. game really i'm so glad i did i would have bet my money on bama so i lost 
Yeah, yeah. I think Georgia threw the, the SEC national, national championship game. game. <laughs> That's what it's turned into. I, uh, you boys think there's any validity I mean, to the fact that they'll uh, <laughs> secede from that's the NCAA eventually? Gosh, It'll the be the SEC, SEC versus the rest of college football. Yeah. Shout out to I the think SEC other than the ones that mattered. I think that uh, I don't know if the SEC itself will be the one, but I think the I think the Power Five uh, conferences all may eventually do that. But you know, the SEC may be the first one to do it. But I think that's what it's going See, to eventually. The, middle. Is the Power I'm Five middle between do being thing, a traditionalist and not wanting that to happen, and being like, okay, I'm tired of them taking everything. We should have a, a national championship, and then you know, and whatever they do. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm about the same. Yeah, I don't know what what to think of it. It's it's definitely different. Definitely, college football yeah, is a changing game. A game that's changing a lot is, right but now. It's going to be a lot different in the next five to ten years too. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. NIL deals and transfers are changing up the game. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I wish happened. you guys could have seen me just like trying to explain to my roommate that doesn't watch football what was going on. I was like, so listen, sir. <laughs> hey, isn't that kind of crazy? To go to USC. <laughs> if Caleb, if Caleb Williamson goes to, to USC, that will NIL. mean that both of Oklahoma's quarterbacks last year left to go to USC. Uh, on opposite he's going. Coast. Exactly. Yeah, isn't that wild? Two different, two different USC's. And, and their yeah. freshman and their true freshman high school recruit that left Oklahoma to go to USC quarterback. Oh yeah, that's right. Oklahoma has been ruined. They're going to have a down year next year, guaranteed. They will well, I be, but they might I am going to go ahead and year, say that we'll now. I, yeah, I thought Bob Stoops us, leaving was going to hurt Oklahoma in a tremendous way, and then they brought in, or you know, Lincoln Riley was already there, but Lincoln Riley did not miss a beat, and. When Lincoln Riley left, I thought, okay, they're definitely going to fall off. That's and true. The, then they hire Brent so Venables. And when Brent Venables was at the, the coach there before, I mean, you guys can go back and watch it if you want to. I've I've only heard about it. I've never really seen it. But I heard that West Virginia beat a Brent Venables' defense in the Fiesta Bowl when they beat Oklahoma that year. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying, they. Well, yeah, you're definitely right. Is a good way. Uh, God, I'm pretty sure that's almost one. Yeah, he they were got pissed. fired not they long after that from Oklahoma, and then it ended up mm-hmm. going to Clemson. That's how he ended up at Clemson. I'm pretty sure, yeah. But it's not. It's not just Lincoln Riley leaving. I mean, literally, all of what Oklahoma was as a program left. I mean, they lost so many players. And they didn't just lose, you know, any players. They lost their players. I mean, they lost their team. And not only did they lose their team, they lost the, the kids that they were bringing in to replace those guys. Like not only did they lose their their past and their present, they lost their future too. Like Oklahoma's, they're trying to make up for it in recruiting, but I think that that's just forced them to go back to some guys that they didn't really give looks to and offer scholarships to guys. Don't get me wrong, I I will enjoy it no less. But Oklahoma's going to be struggling next year. I would have rather beat them last year with the way that their team was than to not beat them all of those years, and then you know then they become subpar, and then we finally beat them. Yeah, I I would have rather. Much rather beat them last beat them year. Down year. Yeah, it's gonna be hard. Yeah. yeah better true. late than never. I'll true. take a win over Oklahoma whenever I can get and it. West Virginia does have a great track record against Brent Venables' defenses. If you look but, at yeah, that, I think I think Oklahoma that's game. The then you look at you? the the Clemson game in 2011. Yeah, Brent Venables isn't that great of a defensive coordinator, apparently. It's just I think that they're going to have too much to turn yeah, no place in a year one of a head coach to be successful. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see them, you know, have have another down year and not get to the title game again. You know, I like seeing well, different teams in there. Texas and Oklahoma both have a down year because I'm sure Texas won't be back next year. Not I would so, think so. You know, Big 12 is going to be wide open. Yep, Big 12 wide open in West Virginia – you know, making changes to put themselves in the thick of it. I think they've got the defense to be in every game, and hopefully now they'll have 
the offense to be in every game as well with new faces and Graham Harrell coming in to run that offense, calling the plays, doing things his way, you know, having more or less full autonomy over this offense. And West Virginia, I think the future is bright, and I think we're looking at potentially what should and what could and should be uh, Neil Brown's best season uh, leading the Mountaineers next next year, and that's what I'm looking forward to. I can't wait for spring practice to start to see, you know, Nico see this quarterback competition um, and to see what this offense is going to look like. It's going to be a very interesting offseason, boys, so we'll definitely uh, be back on here, provide more updates as we as we go forward. You know, find us here on YouTube, find the podcast on any podcast platform you like, follow us on social media, like us uh, on Facebook there, Country Roads Webcast, and on Twitter you can follow us at WVU Country Roads. Um, that being said, anything you guys have here as final thoughts before we – Close off this uh, season wrap-up show, WVU Hires Graham Harrell edition um, of the for, Country Roads webcast. Excited for basketball season. That's all. My chest is clear. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Basketball season, March Madness coming up before you know it. Football season, it feels like. And I, it does. It does. All right, so uh, – I guess that'll that'll pretty much do it uh, for this edition of the Country Roads webcast. Like I said, we'll be back uh, throughout the off season as uh, news occurs and things like that. You know, spring practice starting before you know it. So, um, sure, we'll have more recruiting updates and other updates coming through you, to you here as this as you know our season wrap up show, but also kind of serves as our first off season episode as well. But uh, we'll be back and we'll be looking forward to it. Um, as always, I'm your host Jordan Cruz for Bradley and Stephen. Until next time, let's go. If you really want to know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those 